Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're going to read out of one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's not the book of Ephesians, which is my most favorite book of the Bible, but we're going to reference that a few times too. Um, We're going to be pretty heavy on the scriptures tonight. Did anyone bring their physical Bibles? I always like asking that question. I love that. All right, we got some physical Bibles in the room, which I think is awesome. If you have your cell phone, that works too. I'm not shaming you on that, but I just love being able to pick up a physical Bible to read out of it. There, There are certain passages in the Bible that I feel like I could just get up here and read them straight through and I wouldn't need to add anything to it that they are just so well spoken that when when they were written when the Holy Spirit was inspiring those words it was just so full of truth and life and and the passage I'm going to read out of tonight is exactly one of those because it's one of those passages that really it brings us back to a conscious shift in our thinking back to Jesus. That, that, that song we were singing tonight, nothing else will do. It's like we need to remember, no matter what's happening in our life, that Jesus is the source. He is the one and only. And there are times where there are moments in life, there are maybe songs that we sing, and there are verses that we read that just bring us back to that, that focus. It's like, no matter what I'm going through, I, I realize I'm not alone there is a higher reality. There is a God that I serve who knows the beginning from the end. There, there is one that I could turn to and he is my king and he is my savior. And so I love those moments and, and there's so many verses in the Bible like that. But this to me is one of like the paramount ones. So without further ado, I've built it up a little bit. John chapter one, starting in verse one, a chapter that we know so well. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We know that this passage is referring to Jesus himself, that he was and he is the word, that he is the light of life, that he is the one who brings light to the darkness. And no matter what the darkness wants to bring against it, it cannot overcome it. No matter what we might be going through, no matter what we might be experiencing, knowing this truth needs to change the reality of everything that we're facing because we have the light of life. And I really just love how how John just poetically lays this out. Nothing was made outside of Jesus. He's the source of everything. So you get what I'm saying? Like we could leave that alone, say goodnight and move on and and, and that would be enough. Because it is such an amazing truth. And I, I remember watching the show The Chosen. Has anyone else watched the show The Chosen? Great show. I cry just about every single episode. Like at one point, there's this moment. I don't know if I'm just a little bit emotional. But I, I get to these moments where Jesus calls out to Mary Magdalene and I'm just like weeping like a baby. But there's, there's this one scene in the beginning of season two, episode one. 
and it's John the disciple. And he's speaking with a few of the disciples and he's asking them questions about Jesus. And then he sits down with Mary. And he's just trying to think, how am I going to explain Jesus to people who didn't know him, who didn't have a chance to walk with him like I did? How can I explain this Jesus to others? And so they're going back and forth and and they remember that Jesus at one point says that he was the word. And, and we, we see this in Matthew 24, verse 35. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That what Jesus has spoken, because he was the one speaking them, because he's the king, because he's God, because he was the word made flesh, when he spoke something, it took root and it is for eternity. Everything we know might pass away. Everything we know on this earth will pass away. But his word, because he is the word, remains. In him is the light of life, and the darkness cannot overcome it. John the disciple goes on to talk about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the one who came. He was the one who prepared the way for Jesus. He was the one who prepared the way for the light bearer. He, he spoke to the truth of Jesus. Then it goes on to say in verses 9 through 11, it says, The true light, which is Jesus, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. We could spend a lot of time just on this passage alone. He came in, the the creator of life, the creator of humanity came down to earth, came down to, to God's chosen people. He was the savior. He was the Messiah that they were waiting for. And yet they did not recognize him. They didn't know that he was the Messiah and they rejected him. They didn't accept him as who he was. But it goes on to say this in in verses 12 and 13. And this is the passage that I want to camp out on tonight. This This is the passage that if we really understand what it's saying is the passage that's going to bring so much freedom. It's going to bring that shift in our thinking. It's going to bring that realignment of our focus. It says in verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He came to the world. Those who were his rejected him. But to those who would receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God. You see, this world, this word received, the ones who received him, is the Greek word that means to take hold of. There's an active participation in this. Those who received him, those who made the decision to say yes to Jesus and took hold of him, took hold of his truth, didn't just identify or recognize, okay, he's a good teacher, he's a good man, but received him and grabbed the hold of what he had said, grabbed the hold of the light of life. To them, he said, you will become the children of God. We, we know this part. We, we know what it is to be children of God. We, we did spend a lot of time on this in the book of Ephesians, right? A few months ago. 
Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. To those that took a hold of his truth, they became the sons of God. That part's amazing. This is the part that I want to look at. Verse 13. It says that he gave them the right to become children of God who were born, not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is a heavy statement right here. There's, there's some, some weight to what we're reading here in verse 13. Because if we read this too quickly, we can see this as saying that it was only Jesus who was born of the Spirit, not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man. But what this verse is saying is not just that Jesus was the one who was born in this way. He's also speaking about us. When we are born again into the death and resurrection of Jesus, into our new lives, into our new identity. I don't know how many times I've, I've read this passage but for quite a long, long time, I think I read through it very quickly. But it says, to those who received him, they would be the children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There is a complete shift that has taken place when somebody grabs a hold of, receives and says yes to the truth of God and steps into a new identity where no longer are we looked at as those who are simply born of flesh and blood, but are now born of the Spirit. This is, this is a passage that should really shift our thinking. It should shift our thinking when we look at God and it should shift the way that we think when we look at ourselves. It says, to those who believed, he gave the right. Now, this word right is not just the word right like we would think about it, like I have a right to do this. It's the Greek word exousia, which is the Greek word for power and authority. He said, I, I've given you the right, I've given you the power and the authority now to become children of God. This is not a privilege. This is, this is stepping into something that Jesus has paved the way for to give you power and authority in a way that you've never had before. To say yes to what he has done and to step into a new identity in him. This word exousia is the same word we spoke about this two Sundays ago, I believe, when it says that he then empowered the 12 disciples and he empowered the 70 to go out and to preach the gospel, to heal the sick. To, to be obedient to what he had called them to do. This word exousia is a powerful word, literally, because it means powerful. It, it's the word that says that he gave us the ability to do something that we could never ever do on our own. I know that we were very familiar with the subject of salvation. Like, I understand this. I know we've talked about this a lot. But I do feel like at times we don't 
always look at the totality of what that means. What it actually means to be born again. What it truly means for our life and for our circumstances and for the things that we face on a daily basis to know that, yes, in the past, we were identified and we were known based off of our earthly lineage, but we have now been given a new life in the Spirit. We've been given power and authority in the Spirit through what Jesus has done. And sometimes we just need a reminder. We just need to realign our focus back on Jesus. To those who believed he has given the power to become the children of God. And this meant that it wasn't just in name only. It wasn't just that they would be called Christians. It wasn't just that they would be called children of God. But in our nature, our very nature, who we are, the the source of of our life would now be the light of life. The source of who we are is now found in Him. But as amazing as this truth is, in order for them to have any bearing in our life, we really have to allow these words to sink in and we really have to take the time to deposit them in our hearts. We really have to make sure that we're not just li- listening to this and hearing it on, on a head level, on a knowledge level, or, or even just hearing it and having our spirit get excited about it, but to allow it to penetrate into the very depths of who we are. You see, being called a child of God is amazing, but it's kind of like being called a Yankee fan. It, it's got a lot of similarities, actually, to being called... No, I'm just kidding. You, you can call yourself a Yankee fan. That's good. That's like, that's an identity. That's, it's something that describes part of you. But it, it doesn't really change who you are. It's just a title. I mean, I know I take it seriously, but, but it doesn't really change who I am to be a Yankee fan. As long as I'm not a fan of some other teams. But if, if I... If I just call myself a child of God, but, but I just call myself that, and it's just a title, if I'm just a Christian, but I don't actually allow it to sink in and to penetrate into every area of my life, it is just a title. When we talk about salvation, and, and we said this the other day, like salvation is, yes, the moment where I realize all of my sin, all of my shame, all of my faults. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I, I proclaim that He is the one. But I can't stop there. Because if I stop there and I don't go into transformation, then it is in name only. Yes, it's the greatest gift we've ever been given. But it's kind of like walking into the gates of heaven Entering in and just like sitting there and being like, okay, I'm good. Like, that's good enough. Like, I made it to heaven. I, I've been told there's a lot more here. There's a lot of cool things to explore. This is eternity. This is paradise. But I'm good with this right here. But sometimes we do that in our salvation. We say yes. We're excited. We're, we're like ready to go. But our dreams are then limited to our own abilities, our own experiences, our, our, our 
perception on life is definitely that God loves us, that he wants to do the best for us, but we don't bring him into every situation. There are still places where we feel like we've got to control. There's still things that we feel like we have to do first in order to be good enough to earn it. There's all these things where we bring us into the equation, but we don't fully allow the truth of what God has said to penetrate into us and to change us. And we need to be aware of the areas that we haven't surrender to God to be changed. We need to be aware of the places where we look at ourselves and we don't recognize truly what took place at the moment when we said yes to Jesus. Because if we don't really know, if we just say this is the case, and then we go out and we tell the rest of the world the good news, but we're not fully living it, they're like, ah, I'm not so sure. Like, you talk about it. It, It's great. I I know that you, you seem happier than most, hopefully. It's not always the case, let's be honest. But I know that you talk, but but are you living it? Because if we're not living it, if we're not allowing it to sink in and to penetrate and to do what the word is meant to do, the light to cast out the darkness, for there to be this transformation, then we are limited on what we are showing to the rest of the world. So it says, to all who believed, he gave the right to become children of God. So what does this mean? Well, I want to just give you a few of the, the basic things, and then, and then we'll get to the one that I really want to touch on here tonight. Number one, we know this. When we have become children of God, what this means is that we have been given a new nature. We've been given a new nature. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's what our nature was. That's who we were. We were the children of wrath. And when we said yes to Jesus, we were saying yes to a new nature. We we are now found in Christ. Our our focus, our thinking is now in Christ. Our, Our identity is now in Christ. Does it mean that our whole life looks perfect? No. Does it mean that we no longer do anything wrong, that we don't make mistakes? No. It doesn't mean sometimes that we still don't go after the things that that this is talking about. But in our spirit, we have been redeemed. We have been made new. The part of us that was breathed by God, that, that life that was breathed into us, has now been brought back to a place of right standing with God. And we are no longer children of wrath. That is no longer our identity. I, I know you might have a bad day sometimes. I know sometimes at the end of it, you might look back and be like, I wish I didn't do this, this, and this. But can I tell you something? You are no longer a child of wrath. The, the things that, that, that you may have messed up in, they are not the things that define you and tell you who you are any longer. They may have before Jesus, but not anymore. Because when I am in Christ, I am a new creation. There is a process of transformation. Christian talked about this a couple weeks ago, about the, the now but not yet. Like, I know who I am, but I'm going through this process of becoming who I'm meant to be. 
There's still a process, but my identity needs to be secure. Sometimes our identity is not secure. Sometimes we we think that we are still this thing over here, and because we still think that I am this terrible person, I'm nothing but a sinner, I'm nothing but somebody who has fallen short of the glory of God, well, that's who I am, and therefore, what comes out of my life is going to be found in that identity. I wasn't even going to preach about this tonight. We need to know our identity in Christ, because that dictates what comes out of us. That, that is what dictates what is going to be the overflow of our life. So it changes our nature. The second thing is it means that we have been adopted. It means that we have been reconciled. It means that the guilt and shame of our past no longer belongs to us. Sometimes I can feel it, but it's not mine anymore. The ownership was transferred over when Jesus took it on his back on Calvary. Do we agree with that tonight? It's not ours anymore. That's no longer our possession. It's no longer our property. John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus doesn't do this like halfway kind of work. He's pretty good at when he does something like takes care of it completely if the sun sets you free you are free indeed we just have to realize it ephesians 1 11 in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will it's all in christ it is not us it is not our ability it is in our decision to grab a hold of to lay claim to what jesus has done because he has done it all for us it means adoption in our lineage it means that romans 11 says that we have been grafted into the vine that there was the chosen people, the Hebrew people, that was the ones, the, the, the individuals that God had set aside to say, these are the ones that I'm going to show my goodness through. These are the ones that are going to represent me here on this earth. But the, the author of Hebrews says, you've been now grafted into the vine. You, you have a new lineage. The, the blessing of Abraham is now yours through what Jesus has done. It tells us this in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles, that's us, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. So we have a new nature. We've been adopted in our spirit. We've been adopted into a new lineage, into a new new identity. And all of these things are amazing, and we need to know these truths. We need to stand on these truths. But this is the one that excites me a little bit. You see, what what this means to become children of God, to be empowered, to be authorized to step into this new identity, it means that we get to now become like Jesus. It means that we get to become like Jesus. A few of us are uncertain about this. They're like, hey, that's that's a tall order. 
become like Jesus, how do we do that? To be honest, I'm not entirely sure. Still working on it. No, but to become like Jesus, that, that is what we are doing here as followers of Christ. He's the one that gave us the example. He came fully God and fully man. He showed us what it was to be in full reliance on God as a man with all the limitations of the flesh. He showed us what it was like so that we could then follow his example. And when he went to the cross, when he died, when he rose again, to give us the power, the grace, the ability to step into a new identity which is founded in Christ. To become children of God means to become like Jesus. You see, this, when it says that those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, this is not possible in our own ability. This is what it means to be born again. This is not something that we earn. This is not something we achieve. But when we say yes, when we accept him into our hearts, our lineage, our our identity that was found in human flesh no longer has the, the power over us that it used to. This is, this is really, really good for us. We're going to get into this a little bit more, but just to back this up a little bit more, this is kind of like Paul's message to all of the churches in a nutshell. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, crea- cre- a new creature, a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. The new creation, it's the ones who have stepped into their identity that have been given the power and the authority to follow the example of Jesus. This is what we should be after. And, and once again, when I say we could be like Jesus, and, and we talked on Sunday about that word perfect, like you should be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. These expectations, this bar is so high, it's like how could we ever possibly go after that thing? How could we ever even hope to, to achieve any of that? But Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the Bible. This, this is the truth of the word. This is what he wanted us to see. But sometimes it feels like we start over here, and this is like the initial entry point. This is, this is when we meet Jesus. This is children of wrath territory. And then all the way over here, and I could probably walk outside, but this is where like the light ends. Right here is like the standard that Jesus sets for us. Right? This is children of God. This is new identity. This is no longer living according to the flesh. And so we get saved over here, and it feels like our expectations maybe initially are that we can go all the way, but as we get deeper into life and, and situations happen and circumstances we go through, we get to here and we're like, okay, I get comfortable right here because this seems possible. The standard's over there, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm a little bit further ahead and I kind of get satisfied in this area. Not because this is all that I want. It's because this is all that I think is possible. Because I don't fully understand what Jesus has done. That this is how far we get when it's in our own flesh and ability. This is how far I get when I'm mixed into the equation. But when I start to 
trust and know who I am in Christ more so. When I start to see what he has done, that it's not I that live, but Christ that lives within me, I start to see that there is a whole world. There is a whole journey. There is all of this room to be able to move. We feel like we can't be perfect, but guess what? There's a lot of room between the time that we got saved and perfect. It's just, are we going to trust God to bring us on the journey? Are we going to recognize who we are in Him? The Scripture is here for a reason, not just to give us a little bit of like excitement, like, hey, I just read that. I'm a new creation. I feel good. And then tomorrow, like, okay, life happened again. The circumstances happened again, and, and I just feel like, okay. I don't know if anyone else does this, but like, there have been many times where I go to pray and I start to do the checklist thing. Anybody else? Start to think back in like the last couple of days, the last couple of hours. Start to think about, am I worthy? Do, do I get to bring my request before God right now? And I don't know if you're the same, but I start to think about the things that I didn't do more so than the things I did right. Like, I didn't do this thing. I didn't do that thing. I, I was going to do it, but then I thought better of it. I, I, didn't, I didn't go to this thing for distraction. I didn't do these things. So, so I think now that I'm, I'm able to come before Jesus and, and, and pray. It's, it's not very often about the things that I did. I, I did. I did this amazing thing. I trusted you, Jesus. I stepped out. I, I went after this thing. It, it's very less often about the things that I've done. It's more about the things that I haven't done because it's those things that we feel like we have control over that we bring before Jesus instead of stepping out in faith into the things I don't have control over. Every once in a while, I remind myself like, Remember that time when I had that dream to go pray for every person who was in a wheelchair and see them get up and be healed? Meanwhile, I'm sitting on a train next to a stranger and I'm like thinking like, would I really, would I just start talking to them and witness to them right now? Like this is not extreme acts of faith. But depending on where we are and what we've been experiencing and what we've been going through, it feels like it at times. You see, we've been empowered by Jesus himself. We've been empowered by the king, which means that we need a complete shift in our thinking. When we look at ourselves, when we look at what's possible. You see, the things that hold us back, the things that we think about, well, I didn't do that thing, whatever that is, where does that all come from? What's the source of those things? It's... It's kind of what this verse talks about, but it's the stuff that is of the flesh. It is of the will of man. It says that we are no longer born of blood, uh, born of the will of flesh and the will of man, but the things are from that place. The things are things that we've inherited. And it's that identity that keeps pulling us back into our natural origins. It's the identity that we received when we were born to imperfect parents, in an imperfect world, in imperfect circumstances, and let's be honest, we were conceived in a moment that isn't always looked at to be holy, that isn't always in, in the perfect ideal circumstances, in the perfect family. We, we go back to, to that identity. 
But what this verse is saying is that that no longer is our identity, that, that the identity of being born to imperfect people in an imperfect world has now been transformed by the fact that we have been born again into the Spirit. The part of us that was breathed by God. The part of us that recognizes that God has created us for a plan and a purpose. That he took time to think about us. He took time to design us. That he took time to craft us, to give us talents and gifts and abilities. But more importantly, what we have to realize is that he took the time to do that, but he did so understanding that we would be in an imperfect world. We disqualify and cancel out the things that he has done and he has said because of the mess that we find ourselves in. His truth is not dependent on my situation. His design for my life is not dependent on my perfection. His calling is not dependent on my ability to do everything the right way. He knew who he was going to make me to be, even though he knew the world that I would be in and even knew the mistakes that I would make. In Jesus, we're no longer born of the flesh and of the blood, the will of man. But we are now born according to the Spirit. You see, when we realize this and our spirit becomes awakened to the truth, when our ability to think, our ability to feel, our ability to choose, our mind, will, and our emotions, our soul, when when those things then start to come into alignment with the truth of what He has said, when I start to think according to what he has said, when I start to choose according to what he has said, when I start to allow my feelings and my emotions to serve the truth of what he has said, and my flesh starts to line up with that instead of just going after the things that are comfortable and convenient, there's some change taking place inside of me. This is the transformation. This is the process that that Christ has called us to walk into. You see, if we were to really know this and really believe this, what would change in our lives? What would look different? Would we begin to dream in a different way if we truly knew who we were in Christ? Would we begin to believe for things in faith on a different level? would we begin to see ourselves as the overcomers that the Word of God says that we are? I want you just to imagine with me for a moment that God, the creator of the universe, was actually the one who designed you. Just use your imagination for me for a second. I'm very aware of Jeremiah 29.11 and Jeremiah 1.9, but just imagine that this was the case. Imagine with me for a moment that God, the one who loves you intimately and deeply, was the one who placed you in your mother's womb. I want you to stretch your thinking for a moment and to consider that God knowing every part of your life, chapter and verse, moment by moment, said, I'm going to put them here at this specific time with these specific gifts and these specific abilities. And at the very moment that that you said yes to God, I want you to imagine that you were empowered 
to live a life that you never would have been able to live on your own without him. And I want you to imagine that that is the truth right now as you're sitting here in this room. Because, of course, every word of that is the truth. Every word of that is found in the word. But sometimes we look at it as if it doesn't apply to us. Sometimes we don't recognize the bigness of God, the power of God, the sovereignty of God, the the omniscience of God, to be able to know all of it and yet to still say, I'm putting you here, I'm putting you here, I'm giving you this gift, I'm giving you this ability, I know you're going to mess up over here, I know you're going to fall short over here, but guess what? I have called you, I have equipped you, and I have empowered you. Are you going to say yes to it? Or are you going to be comfortable in where you are, bringing your own abilities into it? You see, God didn't put a disclaimer on any of these statements. He didn't say only some of you are the ones that are chosen. Some of you are still of the flesh, and some of you get to be of the Spirit when you say yes to me. This this was a statement that he made. He said that you were to be children of God. Romans chapter 8 verses 14 through 17 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. It's not rainbows and unicorns. It's not everything's going to be perfect. It's not, not life is easy. It is this is who I made you to be. Adopted as sons and daughters, heirs with Christ. And if you say yes to me, you're, you're going to go through some things. Jesus said the world's going to hate us just, just as it hated him. It's not always going to be perfect, but there is the grace and the strength we need when we know who we are in him. It's a beautiful, beautiful truth. I want to read this one last part of this passage in John chapter 1. And in truth, I should probably wait until next week because there's a lot in here that I want to get into. But we're going to read it anyway. John chapter 1, starting at verse 14, says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. We have received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth has come through Jesus Christ. What do we need in order to become the men and women that God has created us to be? What do we need to get from children of wrath to perfection, or at least a lot closer? We need the grace upon grace. 
We need the grace and the truth of Jesus. We need to disconnect from the old identities, the the things that were from the flesh, the things that were from our earthly parents, that were the things that were passed down, the, the things that are byproducts of the decisions we've made in our life. We need to disconnect from, from the lies that come with those things and to re-engage with the grace and the truth of Jesus who came here to show us this is who I made you to be. This is who I've called you to be. And this is who you will be when you say yes 